greatest commandment was what did he say love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself so when they asked jesus to deduce down all of the teachings of god's word he said you need to love god with all that you are and you need to love your neighbor as yourself so we need to learn how to love Have you ever put your name into that classic portion of scripture, love is patient, love is kind? That is the true measure if you're wondering if you're embodying the love of Jesus. As Pastor Daniel teaches today, first, you have to know the love of God before you can love people. Only in Him can you truly be kind. Today, you'll come to a better understanding of what love really is. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, The Mathematics of Love. The greatest of these is love. Maybe the most famous line that's ever been written. The greatest of these is love. And when you think about love... You think about God's plans and purpose. Starting a series on 1 Corinthians 13, God designed a mother's love to play a special part in the development of a child. There's all sorts of studies and research about children who lack that nurture in their infancy and how essential it is for normal human development. I realize that Mother's Day, for some of us, is a joyful time, a celebratory time. We also realize that for some of us, Mother's Day is a challenging time. Issues like barrenness or the loss of a child or a wayward child. Some of us have lost our mothers. I'm in that category. But no matter how you come to Mother's Day, When you think of a mom, you think of love. One of my favorite memories of my mother, who has now um, been gone for about 17 years, was I was in the summer of my uh, college years. uh, It was my summer between my freshman and my sophomore year of college. My mother had, um, had been diagnosed with cancer, and at this point, she had lost all of her hair, and I was having a rough summer. It was one of those summers where it was in New Jersey, and it was like 100 degrees and like 110% humidity. And I was living in a house with 11 friends. That's a problem. Because if one person has a friend over, it's a party. And so it's like 1,000 degrees. And I'm living in this house. And I didn't realize it at the time, but 11, 12 guys together, that's just slovenly. It's just disgusting. It was just nasty. And I'd gotten my wisdom teeth out, and uh, I was still working every day, and I was taking a class, and so everything was, I was kind of falling apart on every level. And I remember I called my mother, 
Because even when you're a 20-year-old guy and you're having a rough day at school, you just call your mom, you know. And I called my mom. I said, Mom, I'm having a rough day. Because I literally, I didn't sleep at night because it was so hot. And obviously, we couldn't afford air conditioning. And, and I walked out into my kitchen and my feet stuck to the floor. Because those nasty dudes, you know. And, and I called my mom. She said, I'm coming to get you. My mom drove to where I was at school about 40 minutes away. And she... She said, let's get some coffee, and we sat by the, a lake. That was my mom's thing. You get coffee, and you sit somewhere where there's water. And that was like my mom's sweet spot. And I remember we talked, and we talked for hours and hours and hours. And when it was all over, she just put her arm around me, and she said, I just love you. She gave me a kiss, that bald head of hers. And it was in that moment, I'm like, you know what? That's what being a mom is, isn't it? It's those moments. It was no crazy wisdom. She didn't uh, reorder my life. She didn't, uh, she just said, I love you. And she gave me a kiss. Because that's what moms do. They play that role. And you know, I believe that God uses mothers as stand-ins for him in a lot of ways in our lives. Because God is that way as well. How many times have you had a rough day and you call out on the Lord and the Father just listens, doesn't respond, just listens and then says, in a way that we can understand it, I love you. That's love right there. And so we're going to spend the next five weeks going through 1 Corinthians 13. So I want you to open up your Bibles there. 1 Corinthians 13. This is perhaps the most famous set of scriptures in the world. You go to almost any wedding, and they read it. And those who don't read it, the reason they don't read it is because they hear it at every wedding. But they would normally have read it if it wasn't at every wedding. So it's a, it's a very, it's a classic text. It's a famous text. And I've entitled this message, The Mathematics of Love. The Mathematics of Love. And you'll see why. So 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I want to begin with a simple point to get this thing going. And that is that love must be added. Love must be added. You like that? It's Mathematics of Love. So yeah, I got the add in there. You see that? Love must be added. Now, here's why. Here's why. Because you and I live our lives, and if we are not intentional about loving people with the love of God, we won't. It doesn't come naturally to us. We think it does, but if we look at our lives, we look at the wake of our lives, we realize that we need to say, God, I need to understand your love, and I need to pass it along, because left up to my own devices, people are not going to get true love, they're going to get my destructive version of love. And I think we should be comfortable being honest with that, that left up to our own devices, we are selfish by nature. We are not, what we read, we're not that. If you, and we'll start this next week, if you take verses four to eight in your own time, read the love is patient, love is kind, all that, put your name in there and see how it reads. Daniel is patient. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I struck out on one pitch. 
it doesn't give me joy, but what I realize is that we all strike out on the first pitch. Because when you put our name in there, it doesn't fit. You're patient, you're kind all the time. <laughs> you know, all these things. But you know what's amazing? If you put Jesus' name in there, it reads perfectly. Because Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy, Jesus doesn't boast, Jesus doesn't parade himself. Jesus never fails. See, we put our names in there, it doesn't read like it's real life, reality. You put Jesus' name in there and it reads perfectly. And God wants to teach us about love. And we need to say, God, I want to be a loving person. Not my idea of love, but what you tell me true love is. And it must be added. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, in context, is part of a section in 1 Corinthians that's really 1 Corinthians 12 to 1 Corinthians 14. And what's interesting about this is that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the focus of the entire section is about the spiritual gifts. The church in Corinth was a spiritually gifted church. We talked last week a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not the ministry of the Spirit that helps us to get saved, but that second event, whether it happens at the time or later when you are empowered for ministry. The all of a sudden you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're like, hey, I don't know, I never heard of that. Read the book of Acts and see how people who believe, how the Spirit makes them believe, but then all of a sudden they get filled with the Spirit. And sometimes again and again and again, there's a group of people who believe in Jesus. They never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul prays for them. The Spirit falls on them. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the empowering of the Spirit for the work of ministry. Right? The church in Corinth had a lot of spiritual stuff going on. But the problem was, is that it wasn't that they weren't spiritually empowered. The problem was, is that they weren't loving. And so 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are all about the spiritual gifts, things like prophecy and tongues and all these things. But 1 Corinthians 13, look at what he says. Paul, at the very end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. And then he ends 1 Corinthians 13 with, now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now I like to say 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is like the bread, and 1 Corinthians 13 is the meat. Now think about that. Did you ever order yourself a sourdough sandwich? Anybody? No, right? The meat is what you order. Or if you're a vegetarian, you're uh, tofu or whatever, rabbit food. <laughs> you order the meat and then you say, I want this type of bread on it. And I think that's important because when it talks, when you talk about spiritual giftings, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you have to realize that love is the meat. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And love filters through through these different gifts, but the gifts should never be the focus. Love is the focus because love is the meat. Love is what makes the sandwich a sandwich. I have never had a sandwich be like, man, this wonder bread is so good. The bread is not the focus. The bread is the vehicle to put the meat into your belly. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You don't even need the bread if you're like, if you're like, hey, I don't do, I don't do those, I don't carve out, right? 
You just eat the meat, you're happy, right? See, love is the focus. And love must be added. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not teaching 1 Corinthians 13 because I'm saying that I have love all dialed in. I'm teaching it because I want to grow in love. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to see the division between when you read Jesus' name in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, and then when you put my name in there, I want to see that gap closed. And I want that for us as well because Jesus said, by this men will know you are my disciples by the love that you have, one for another. People will know we're his disciples by the love that we share together. I mean, didn't Jesus say in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, when they asked him what the greatest commandment was, what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when they asked Jesus to deduce down all of the teachings of God's word, he said, you need to love God with all that you are. I need to love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to learn how to love. Because you know what I've found is that it's easy to love God. It's hard to love our neighbors. It's easy to say, God, I love you and not really like the person who is next to you. It's easy out of one, in one moment to praise God and then rip the head off of the person next to you. We all have done that. And some of you are not as vocal as others of us, so you do it in your heart. You just don't say it. But either way, God wants us to love like he loves. And I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to say, Lord, will you make me a loving person, a biblically loving person? That I would love as you love. That I would feel, Lord, as you feel. Now, stereotypically, the Bible has describes four types of love. There's four primary words. Now, this is a stereotype, which means it doesn't all always fit there. But there's four primary types of love described in the Bible. The first is the word eros, which we get our word erotic from. It means sexual love or physical love. So that's described in the scriptures, right? The second is the word storge, which means familial love, the love between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, and, and vice versa, between a parent and a child. Third, there's the word phileo, which is Brotherly love, which is friendship-style love, kind of the love between David and Jonathan amongst the disciples. It's where Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, comes from. And then ultimately you have the word agape, or depending on how you like to syllabify it, agape. I don't know. I heard some people say it that way. That's a fun way to say it. And that is the love that's described here. It's often explained as the love of God, but what is interesting is in the Bible, what you find is that it talks about when we are outside of Jesus, that we love the world in an agape way. The idea of this type of love that we're looking at is a love that is self-sacrificial, a love that you give up your life for. And it's interesting that it is true that if you love rebellion against God, you actually give up your life for that. See, true love is whatever you're willing to give up your life for. And for some of us, we are willing to give up our lives for all sorts of things. Isn't that the difference for those of you who have, were, didn't know the Lord and then you gave your life to the Lord? You realize that you gave your life, you live self-sacrificially for frivolous things, trivial things, momentary pleasures. 
And you literally gave your life up for that. And then you get saved. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to give up my life for Jesus, which isn't trivial or superficial or temporary, but profound and eternal. I look back on my life outside of Christ. I gave up my life for all that stuff. I woke up, dreamed about it, figured out how I was going to do it. I got at it. It was self-sacrificial, but the problem was it was ultimately destructive and demeaning. So the love that we're talking about is this self-sacrificial love. Alan Redpath says that we get our, our word agony from the word agape, the idea that you're giving up your life for something. It's giving. It's an absorbing love. And I believe that the love that God wants us to have first for him and then for others is a self-sacrificial, giving, and absorbing love. Now, before we get into the text, one last point. You have to realize this. Our love for God has to set the pace because if we do not give God that love first, all of our attempts at self-sacrificial love with people will always be destructive. See, our love for God will not allow ourselves to be self-giving in a way that destroys who we are by letting people step all over us or hurt us. See, I think what happens when you talk about, I need to be self-sacrificial in my love. I need to love the way God loves. People say, well, so does that mean if somebody wants to take all my money and they want to hurt my family that I just need to let them in Jesus' name? No, no, no. Because the love of God sets the pace. Because God says, because he loves us and we return that love to him, we see ourselves properly. And then you say, like Jesus sometimes, no, you're not going to do that to me. I will not allow that anymore. Why? Because God's love sets the pace. And God says, you're of way more value than to let that guy hit you. You're of way more value than to let someone treat you that way. You should have a higher respect for yourself. You're so valuable to me that I died for you. Shouldn't do that, no matter what they tell you to do. See, we need to make sure that love of God, the vertical, that sets the pace for us. And, and as we receive God's love and we return it to him, then our self-sacrificial absorbing and giving love on the horizontal level makes sense. How many of us have experienced an absorbing type of love in a romantic relationship when it doesn't honor the Lord? That always hurts, doesn't it? In the end, it's always diminishing and demeaning to who we are and to our relationship with the Lord. So it has to be God's love first, and then the horizontal level starts to make sense. But I'm here to tell you, if you have not experienced God's love in Jesus and returned it to him in worship, every single one of your horizontal relationships is not going to be this type of love and fulfillment. Because we can only love a love that we know. We can only love with a love that we know. And if you are trying to love people without understanding God's love, you are never going to love them in a way that they need, that you desire, and that is mutually beneficial and fulfilling. So it has to be God's love first. It has to be that first. So love must be added. And if you don't get anything else out of today, I want you to say, to leave saying, God, I want to learn how to love like you do. I want to add love to my life. I want to be a person who shows the world that Jesus is real by the love that I have for others. Because our witness is at stake here. So let's jump in. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging symbol. 
So first, here's some equations for you. Eloquent speech minus love equals noise. Eloquent speech minus love equals noise. That's what verse 1 means. Now, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. Now, if you were to go back and read 1 Corinthians 12, you'll find that the church in Corinth was really big on the gift of tongues. And he's saying, look, if I can speak with angelic language or with linguistics, human language, whether I have language that the angels can understand, maybe it's the prayer language of the Spirit or however that works, and let's say you can learn, you could speak 30 languages. And most people would say, that's really eloquent. Wow, you can, angels, you can communicate with them, and you can communicate with anybody in any language, in any dialect, and you have all that together. That would be a pretty awesome thing, right? Wouldn't you say so? I mean, look, you get a TV show. Or you can, they can write a hit song, She Talks With Angels, The Black Crows, 80s. You guys remember that one? Yeah, yeah. If you could speak the language of angels, and if you can speak in any language, that's a cool thing. But if you have that, but notice, but have not love, it says, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, if you have eloquent speech, but you don't have love, it equals noise. Now, why do I say it equals noise? Now, how many of you guys like that little screen on the drum set? You guys like that thing? You know why we have that on there? Because if the drummers hit that cymbal, it hurts your ears, right? Now, imagine if I took that cymbal off and I walked through the sanctuary, got right up next to your ear with a drumstick and went, would you like that? No, you wouldn't. What happens if I took a trumpet and I walked right up to your ear and I pulled a little Miles Davis, would you like that? You probably didn't even like I went, that's kind of loud, right? That's what it's like when you talk to someone and you don't love. When you and I open our mouths, if we do not have love in our hearts for that person and for the Lord, we are that person. Now listen, I get enough complaints about the volume of worship in Crossroads, whether it's too loud or too quiet. But nobody likes it when you have someone banging a cymbal or blowing a trumpet right in your ear. If we can speak with the most phenomenal eloquence in any language, even an angelic language, and we do not have love as the motivation of our hearts, we are just noise. We are adding to the noise of a world that is not founded in love. Now, doesn't that make you think about what we say and how we say it? Because every time we pass along an unloving sentiment, we are that. That's the picture I want you to come away with. That every time we open up our mouths without love, the love of God, the love that sent Jesus to the earth to live and to die and to be resurrected, every time we open our mouth without that as the motivation, it's just like someone's taking that symbol and right in your ear, jamming that thing over and over and over again with every single word. You can see why the Proverbs say that in a multitude of words, what? Sin is not lacking. Jesus is real. Love must be added. That was the main point of Pastor Daniel's message today. Because love doesn't come naturally to us. God is necessary to fulfill the kind of love that comes from Him. 
Our selfish love is destructive, but the Father is patient and kind. We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will explain how you can give everything you have to others. You can do all sorts of outreach and still not be loving. It's a matter of religion versus living like Jesus. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled The Greatest. Until then, may God bless. God bless.